Thank you for listening to Pod on the Dog. I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me on Instagram at Verity Hardcastle. You might be out walking your dog, you're in the car, or maybe just pottering around at home. But whatever you're doing today, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm back, baby, with some brand new episodes for your ears. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Button Up Box a brand I love for so many reasons. Now, Butternut Box is freshly cooked dog food delivery service that just delivers it straight to your door. It takes into consideration all of your dog's dietary needs. Now, Butternut Box genuinely care about dogs and they believe that good enough for your dog is just simply not good enough. Dogs deserve better. Their meals are comprised of quality meat, vegetables, lentils, vitamins and minerals, and they don't contain any grain, wheat, gluten, corn, soya or sugar. All of these are known to cause some intolerance in dogs. If you'd like to try Butternut Box for your dog, you can get 50% off your first two boxes with the link buttonupbox.com forward slash Verity Hardcastle. So go and check it out. Now for today's episode, these groomers have been educating for as long as I've just been grooming. They are a fountain of knowledge and experience, and I'm so delighted that they're taking the time out of their super busy lives to talk to us here today. So a big warm welcome to Suze Echo and Jay Scruggs. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. So firstly, tell me, Sue, where are you talking to me from? I am in Massachusetts in the United States. So I am call, I'm talking to you from my grooming room at home, working on my one of my showgirls and um, just kind of enjoying a nice day here. Fabulous. And Jay, whereabouts are you? I am right outside of Memphis, Tennessee. I love the accent as well. That is just fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I know like mine and yours are on the opposite ends of the spectrum though, because I really need to, to figure out what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking that as you were doing your, your, um, your, your intro, I'm thinking Jay must be freaking out. He's not going to understand yeah. what she's saying. <laughs> oh, I, no, love hey. I, I love that accent though. I try to get my wife to talk like that, but she can't do it. So it doesn't work. <laughs> well, if you need me to repeat anything, literally, or, or slow down, just, um, just tell me. So let's dive straight in. Now, Sue, I'll ask you first, where does your love of dogs come from? Like, did you grow up around dogs? Um, yeah, definitely. My, I, I get it from my mom. My, my dad's really not an animal person. Although, I have to say, my dad is... He is now 94 years old and my mom passed away about 24 years ago. And I heard my dad tell stories about dogs that he had when he was a kid and stuff. And I'm like, so wait a minute. So you actually did like dogs. <laughs> so he's, his whole family is kind of a little bit more afraid of them. Like all my cousins from the Italian side, but my, my love really came from my mom, you know, from the time we, we always had multiple dogs and cats. Mm. And, you know, my mom used to tell stories about, growing up on a farm and stuff like that so it's just animals I think it's something you loving animals is something you're born with so I, I definitely I totally born agree. with it yeah yeah so I've, I've got two children too and they're so different one of them is just obsessed like I was wants to coochie coo any pussy cat on the street you know yeah, yeah. Dog, every dog and the other one's just kind of like oh, they're all right yeah 
Yeah, my, my granddaughter is like that too now. Since the time she was born, she gets all excited. She calls my dogs the crazy poodles. Mm-hmm. So, and she just, she, when she comes to my house, she has to say hi to the poodles. And I just, I love that because I think she was born with it. You didn't have to teach her to be nice to dogs or animals. She just wants to. So yes. it's really cool. And what about you, Jay? Did you grow up around dogs as well? Actually, I had dogs growing up. We, you know, usually we were the family. We had, we had one at a time and it was an outside dog. So nobody in my family really came from that background. But I loved animals. I had my own little zoo, you know, for the neighborhood kids when I was little. I used to charge people admission to. But uh, I just always loved animals. <laughs> Animal <laughs> lovers slash entrepreneur from day one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So how did you get into grooming then, Jay? Like, how did that transition from being the hustler with your, with yeah. your petting <laughs> thing to you, you know, grooming? How did that happen? So, so basically, I worked through a vet, for a vet all through high school. And then I was in my third year of college. And my mom was, she came to me and she's like, Jay, are you just going to keep wasting our money on school? Or, you know, is there something you want to do? And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, mom. And so she's like, I found this grooming school. It's a four-month course, you know. I'm going to enroll you to see if you like it. So I did it just thinking I was just appeasing her and then just fell in love with what I was doing. Wow. So it was just by chance. Yeah. <laughs> he has his mother to thank. And what about you, Sue? How did you get into grooming? Um, kind, kind of the same thing. Like I, I always knew I wanted to do something with animals. And of course I'm much older than Jay. So this is going back quite a few years ago and you know, in school, when I would talk to my guidance counselor and they would ask me, you know, what my interests were, I would say animals. So they had me taking all kinds of like chemistry and biology and everything to become a vet, mm. which I never really wanted to do. I wanted to work with well animals. And I was going to obedience school with my colleague when I was a teenager. And I met a kid there that was going to a school and it was an animal care program. And he had grooming and training and um, show handling, you know, all kinds of things like that. Yes. So I, I checked it out and I thank the Lord. I, you know, you know, all I can remember is her first name, but I was so glad that I started with an instructor that was super, super picky. And so I learned that from day one, didn't get a lot of experience at school. It was like three hours a week was, you know, the, the grooming class. And, um, but when I, when I left there, I, I just knew it was something like Jay said, something that I, I just took to and really had a love for. Yeah, I was just saying this weekend because I was at a grooming competition and I was just saying to um, the ladies that I was judging with, it's it's amazing watching groomers who've been taught with a strict instructor, how they know routine and things like that and how important they, that foundation sort of is and how that instilled in you almost becomes you can kind of almost groom on autopilot can't you when you learn those foundations yeah yeah for sure I don't even think about it anymore I just do it you know yeah yeah it's like um, muscle memory yeah I think I think part of that part of that um good beginning is like really good prep work too and I and I think that's what I see lacking a lot of times in a lot of the a lot of the grooms out there, even competitive people, that they just don't understand good prep work. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's so important. Um, I'm going to ask a little bit about that later, but yeah, I, I totally agree. 
Now, trying to find out a little bit more about your personalities, I suppose the personalities behind the super styling session videos that like I I used to have a few, by the way, <laughs> because <laughs> going back in the day, it was really hard. We didn't have social media or anything like all these right. amazing um, outlets of information that we can just access uh, from our hands. You know, we had to have right. these video tapes that we watched, and so obviously we know a lot about Jay and Sue. But maybe tell me something about you that, like, you wouldn't actually—I suppose—the ordinary person would really know about you. So, I have four children and wow. one grandchild now. So, a little grand uh, grandbaby girl. And so my hobby is basically I love to fish. I coach hockey and basketball. So a lot of people don't know that. But that's really cool. Yeah. So, so Jay Jay's a busy dad and granddad now. Yes, very busy. <laughs> I was going to say all of my kids. Well, three of my kids have homes that I get to do, you know, projects on all the time because they just let me do that kind of stuff. So, you know, it keeps me busy. <laughs> When they talk about jack of all trades, that is Jay Scruggs. <laughs> when he comes to my house to do the videos now, I always have projects for him to do. He does all kinds of repairs for me and everything. So we can't wait for him to come back at the end of the month. I have a list of things for him. <laughs> yeah, my dad lives in France half of the year and he's coming back. Actually, this evening he's back because he's, you know, he's not here that often. Um, but he's exactly the same, Jay. I've already texted yeah. to say we're building a new deck in the garden. We need help. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, oh, goodness. For those of you listening who feel that you're a little bit stuck in the rut or maybe you're wanting to progress further, but you just feel that you might need some help, what are your tips to the listeners to elevate their grooms soon? Um, well, really, I think probably the most important thing is to is to try to get involved in the industry. You know, I, I always say, especially to people that talk about burnout and stuff like that, I really don't see how that can happen unless you stay, you keep yourself in that rut. The only way to get out of it is to get out and learn. And I feel like in, it's been over 45 years that I've been grooming and I feel like I've made it my career. And it's just a job to a lot of people. You know, they go in, they do their time. They don't, they don't look at, you know, at, at instructional videos. They don't go to breed shows to try to learn more about different breeds. And I love doing all that stuff. So I think they really have to get more involved in the industry. And it's, you know, I've made the best friends in the world through grooming. And um, I, I just think that people really need to get more involved to get out of that rut. They have to get out of their salons. They have to, go and see what's out there yeah I feel if if ever I'm feeling a little bit bored or like you're saying like stuck in a rut there's nothing more rejuvenating than going to a dog show or a grooming event and then I just the spice is back yeah well even like like going to breed shows you know I I go I I look at the dogs that people are competing with you know some like different say like a like an Australian terrier you know I don't get any of those in my shop I've never actually groomed one but I know that there are competitors out there doing them so I made it a point to go to a breed show just so I could talk to those people you know and when I found out like you know why they groom the way they are and what the breed is used for and and stuff like that and then you know when I when I give somebody a critique on one they're like they're so happy that they found somebody that knows their breed you know, so I think it's it to me. It's like um, 
like it makes you I can't wait to get back and groom some more once you learn a little bit more you know yes. so I think it's important yeah that's a brilliant answer what about you Jay what's your thoughts on it uh, I would say, like, we have people all the time that come to a, or come to a seminar or watch a demo and say, oh, well, all I do is shave downs. Everything in my shop is shave downs. If you really enjoy this as a career and it's your passion, get away from the shops that all they do is shave downs or try, you know, go to the shop owner and say, hey, look, I'd like to find something with more coat. Anytime a dog that comes in with coat, I'd like to work on it just so because it gets so repetitive. And, you know, I mean, learning a new breed cut or being able to scissor that Bichon head perfectly round, I mean, that gives you just like, you know, energy to go do more things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. just do what I do, just slyly just keep putting coat on the dog and just, oh, I did it the same. I'm sure this dog's got a different haircut than it used to have when it first started going to this creamer. <laughs> and, don't, and don't the people love it? Don't the people like, you know, they're so excited at the way their dog looks. So I think that's really important to try to do. And I've even told people, you know, sometimes maybe like if it's a, hair, if it's a haircut that would normally cost money until you kind of rope them in, do it for the same price, you know, so you might have to eat a little bit as far as that goes, but you, it, they might be more willing to let you try something if they don't think it's going to be more expensive. But then once they see it and they mm-hmm. see that, you know, that cute expression and everything, then, then you can inch up on your price. <laughs> I think most people, are, uh, they just love the legs. They're like, the legs are like a teddy bear's legs. And yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I say the same thing to people who are, who complain that they don't have any dogs to practice their scissoring on. I was like, well, you know, book a dog in, take some time, just say to the customer, look, I'd like to do this. You can either have a look at it, see if you like it. If not, I can take it shorter, you know, say, but just, you know, eat into the end of your day slightly and just use that dog. It's got a nice coat just to practice your scissoring on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now we've all got our nemesis, I'm sure. Um, I don't know about you guys, maybe you don't, but... <laughs> These are breeds that obviously I've invested my time and money into making sure that I feel confident knowing what I'm doing when I have one on my table. Like I've always loved poodles and I've always scissored poodles and owned poodles, but give me a complex hand strip. And, you know, back in the day, I, you know, I'd be scratching my head a little bit. So I invested in myself to go and learn from some amazing terrier breeders. So I felt comfortable in these areas. Now, but for what for you, what would you say was your nemesis? What do you find the most difficult breed to groom and why? Oh, uh, hand stripping by, I mean, hands down, hand stripping. Because, you know, when I competed, there were always people in the ring hand stripping and I was scissoring everything. So I actually went out and learned how to do it. But it's one of the things that I just don't enjoy. For whatever reason, I don't enjoy hand stripping. I can appreciate a great hand strip job, but... I don't enjoy it for some reason. So, um, but I think you know you, you kind of you have to know how to do it because that's what we do. But it's just not enjoyable to me physically, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'm exactly the same. I don't, I, I, I don't mind a border terrier that you kind of look at it and the hair falls out. I can cope, but I don't, I don't want to do any fox terriers anymore. Like, oh well, she, I just no, <laughs> not anymore. I'm with you. Unless they're clipped, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> I can, I'll, yeah, I'll card exactly. it. I'll card it and clip it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. yeah I what do a lot you? of those too. Yeah. 
but I would say like for me, I think one of the most difficult breeds that I had to learn, which I actually own one is, is a Bedlington Terrier because they're, they're so different from everything that you learn, like in school, you know, where everything is, everything is rounded and, you know, little tight cat feet and level top lines. And, you know, it's, Bedlington's kind of like doing that, that Asian fusion, you know, and all of a sudden you've got a roach in the top line and you've got the hair foot and the tasseled ears and the shaved jaw and, and, you know, the cone head instead of the big round head. So mm. I, I think that was, in, they're also one of my favorite breeds to groom for that reason that they are very different. So of course I, poodles are one of my favorites too, but the, the Bedlington took me a while to really be able to get that profile down and feel like I can look at a Bedlington and put, put the correct trim on it, you know? Um, so that, that I feel it is a difficult breed, but I, I'm right up there with you guys with the hand strips. And it, I think one of the biggest things is that is training a customer to bring the dog in enough to be able to get it to look right. And, you know, there, if they don't bring it in often enough, then you're, you're doing a dog that's really not mm-hmm. going to ever look correct. So it's very frustrating. So yeah. And it does hurt my hands too. So I'm there with you guys on that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I totally know what you mean about a lot of customers don't want to pay how much it's cost. They don't understand the time and the money aspect. And then because it's expensive, they, you know, they don't want to commit to rolling a coat. And, and then right. about the Bedlington. Yeah. I mean, tricky because especially in England, we have, I mean, I know they've got a linty coat, but we have a lot that have got very, very hard coat to get a nut. You know, you literally just look at it and it's got a mark in it, you know. <laughs> right. And that's that's actually a more correct coat, which, you know, mm. is, is something I think a lot of people don't know. So mm. the Bedlington's aren't supposed to have that really thick poodly coat, you know. So the ones with the more correct coats are definitely harder to scissor. So that's a that's another point of them yeah. being very difficult. Yeah, a puff of wind, but, and they look like they've got a mark in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. sure. Or you get a judge that combs differently than you combed, and it just ruins the whole groom. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you've been educating groomers for so long. I remember your early videos, as I was saying, long before you know we had the internet. Now, if somebody's <laughs> wanting to speak and educate, like the way that you do about their chosen subject. Do you have any advice on how they can engage with their audience and be confident enough to take that step? Uh, Sue, do you want to go with this? Um, sure. Um, well, it's I, I remember transitioning from the competitive, competitive world to the first time speaking, and I was scared to death. You know, and I like I was not that person in school that would stand up and do a report in front of everybody. You know, I was, I was sick that day. And <laughs> so I, it, I found it very hard. And I, the first couple of times I did it, I think the thing for me that makes it easy is that I'm talking about something that I love and that I'm passionate about. So I, I feel like I know what I'm talking about, but when Jay and I first started doing the, the super styling session live seminars together with groomers choice, um, I remember the day before looking at him and saying, okay, so do, do we, should we rehearse? And he looked at me like I had four heads and he was like, Rehor- rehearse, what are you talking about? No, we're just going to do it. And honestly, that's the way it has been with, with us. We just, when I stop, he starts, when he stops, I start. And it's, it's always just flowed very easy. But I think, you know, for those people that get really nervous, sometimes if you can pick 
like a person or a group in the audience that, you know, when you see, when you're talking about something and you see people nodding their head, like in agreement, or they laugh within the first five minutes, I'm like, okay, this is a good group, you know, and it, it just does help me relax a lot. So I think it's, it's talking. Like I remember going to seminars and not even understanding the terminology people were using. So I think when we do it, I think you always have to remember the, um, the variety in your audience that you might have seasoned groomers, you might have beginner groomers. So usually when we start, we'll always say how many people in here have been grooming like a year or less or two years or five years. So we try to get an idea of, um, the, you know, the, the level of the groomers that are in the audience. And I, and I think that way you can kind of gear the whole rest of your lecture, um, touching base with just about everybody. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I totally understand what you mean about the terminology because, you know, when they're talking about, you know, top line, flat work, all these different things, you just, you know, to a lay person, just, yeah, it must be really right. amazing. Well, I remember one time a girl raised her hand. Now, we had been doing these for, you know, a couple of years and a girl raised her hand and she said, what is the tuck up? And I thought, oh, my God, like, oh, that's, cool. you know, so now every time I say, so you want your tuck up, which is the highest point of your underline, you know, it's like I explain exactly where it is and what it is, because mm-hmm. it was it must have been somebody very new that had no idea, you know, what the where the point of shoulder is or like I know a lot of groomers that will will refer to like the ilium and the ischium and and stuff. And I never learned all those. I didn't even learn the names of the bones and stuff like that. So yeah, you've lost me. <laughs> yeah, you, right. Well, one person that did it all the time, and so we were doing a seminar together. And I said to her, "Which is which?" And she she looked at me like she was going to cut my head off. She goes, "I don't know." So she <laughs> knew those two bones, but she didn't even know which was which. So I'm like, you know, talk talk in terms that people are going to be able to understand instead yeah. of really technical terms. Sure. Um, Jay, what is it for you? Um, what do you think makes a good speaker? I think just being down to earth and not trying to talk over people's heads and trying to explain it like you would want it explained to you because everybody learns in different ways. So um, I just try to be like, I try to connect with the audience and, you know, the level of grooming that, that we're trying to teach and not make it too difficult and not be too technical, um, but still get the point across and, you know, you know, get our uh, explanation of the breed or explanation of the trim really to relate to what they're doing um, in their shops. That's really great advice, like super advice. Yeah, you're completely right. So tell me just quickly, when was it that you first did your first ever collab super styling session? Which, when was it? I think, do you remember, Jay? I think it was like right after the world championships in 03. Yeah, we were, we were, I had, I had retired from competition and I think Jay maybe competed maybe one more year. And then we were just having dinner at a show one time. And he said, how about next year we go out and do one day seminars together? And I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) And, you know, and thank God we have groomers choice that, um, you know, was, was sponsoring us and they, they were such a huge help to us, but, yeah, so it's going to be at least 0304, somewhere around there since we started. Wow. So I'll caveat that with um, what you're going to do for your anniversary, your 20-year anniversary. We're going to have a, a super special. <laughs> <gasps> oh, wow. I think didn't even think of that. You need to think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
too. She did say we started we started doing it before the internet, which I don't think that was accurate. But (laughs) 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 well, I mean, I think Facebook was around, but I don't think it was used the way it is now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I don't. I don't think there was cyber bullying back then. That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> true. true yeah we'll have to do something special for the 20th anniversary because I, I haven't even thought of that so yeah yeah so I personally want to know this we're always learning right I feel I you mentioned it so I feel like we're always learning in this job that's what I love about it so what are your tips for like creating shape a good finish is it prep work like Jay what what is it for you is it the tools you're using uh, for me, it's definitely prep work, 100%. So you could be the best groomer, have the best scissor work, best smoothest clipper work, but if your dog's not prepped properly, it's not. It's going to show when you put a comb through it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you the same? I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, but it, um, I definitely do feel that um, equipment has come a long way over the years too. You know, I mean, I when I started, we didn't even have force dryers. So everything was either cage dried or hand dried with a blow dryer, a stand dryer that barely even worked. So, and, and even the scissors, you know, the, to buy the tools that fit your hand, you know, I mean, Jay and I each have our own line of shears and, you know, because I love them doesn't mean they're necessarily going to fit somebody else's hand the same way. Everybody uses a different pressure when they, when they hold their tools and all that stuff. So, you know, going to the the trade shows and being able to pick up the equipment and stuff like that, I think makes a big difference too. So yeah. I just know so many people have said, Oh my God, I didn't know what a thinning shade was for until I used a good pair and it, you know, what a world of difference it made. So I think the the tools definitely make a difference too. Yeah, that's right. And it's just knowing about your hand shape, how you scissor, um, and like you were saying, are you heavy-handed? You quite like because if you're a heavy-handed groomer, you can't have some of those fine shears because you'll just lose the edge on them really fast, right? Right, right. And um, and I like an offset handle, whereas other people, you know, they don't. Yeah. yeah. So it's just about finding out what's right for you. But again, it's like with the prep work, like with the shampoos as well. When people ask, "What shampoo do you use on your poodle?" and I'm like, "Well, which poodle?" Because all four of exactly. them, I have a different, a totally <laughs> right. different routine and technique I use on them. Like, depend. I've got an old lady, I've got a puppy, I've got a lady who's six, who's just had a season, and I've got one, you know, I've got two that are in full show coat, you know, so it's, yeah, it's finding yeah. the right shoe for each one as well, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Now, lastly, how do you stay positive and driven after working in this industry? for you know quite a long time so what about you how do you stay positive um i think i think the honestly there's good and bad with the internet but um going to the shows and talking to the groomers and having them um appreciate what what we do you know that i mean we're we don't make a a fortune doing this but we're both doing something that we're very passionate about and we really enjoy and so to have people come up and say 
I learned more from you guys than I ever have. Or, you know, I, I learned more. I learned how to groom. I was in school, but they used to sit us in front of your DVDs and make us watch those. And that's how I learned how to groom, <laughs> you know, and things like that. So yeah. I think knowing that, because you, you do get the negative stuff too. And I think just knowing that what we're doing is actually working. I think that keeps me very positive and that I still really love grooming. After all these years, I really love what I'm doing. So that helps too. Yeah, I'm over here yeah. appreciating you. Just the appreciation. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Yeah, you're not allowed to stop. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Jay? How do you stay positive? Well, I think this industry keeps my marriage alive and saves my marriage because Michelle, <laughs> my wife, looks at the calendar and says, um, "Don't you have a reading show to go to? Just to get, you know, to get me out of the house." Because otherwise we would kill each other because we've been married for 30 years. So. <laughs> I mean, but honestly, it's like when we go to shows, it's like, you know, people put you on a pedestal and we don't expect anything like that at all because we're just yeah. groomers like everybody else. But, you know, it's nice to see people that appreciate your work and, you know, have followed you all these years. And, you know, it just, I mean, it's, it's like a whole different industry when you get out and you interact with the people that have the same passion you do. You know, yeah. it's, it's a good feeling. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Sue and Jay can be found at Suzeko underscore Jay Scruggs and check out their super styling sessions. They do some really awesome videos as well online. Um, I think they both mentioned that they've got a range of shears out, so that'll be 100% worth checking out. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Pod on the Dog. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. And if you'd write a review too, that would be absolutely amazing as it helps other people to find this podcast. Now, this podcast was sponsored by Butternut Box, a fresh take on dog food. So for 50% off your first two boxes, make sure you visit that website, butternutbox.com forward slash Verity Castle. That's a bye from all of us. Bye. Bye. Thank, thank you. you.